Welcome back to Raising Unicorns. I'm Benton Crane, and today's episode features our Chief Strategy Officer here at Harmon Brothers Consulting. His name is Chris Stroud, and he explains how to find the right market position for your brand so you can reach the right customers at the right price point. Unicorns are real. In the past eight years, Harmon Brothers has helped raise five unicorns. Yes, that's five companies with a billion dollar valuation, with at least six more companies right on the cusp of becoming unicorns. Here on Raising Unicorns, we share the lessons we've learned to help you grow your business by tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars. It's time to start raising a unicorn of your own. Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. No problem. Thank you. Hey, so today we want to really dive in and get you to share some of your expertise with us. And specifically, we want to talk today about message testing. So before we dive into that, Chris, talk to us about which entrepreneurs should be focused on testing their messaging. In reality, any company who deals in a paid acquisition environment absolutely has to focus on message testing. But it even goes a bit further beyond just the paid environment. But actually getting to a point where as a brand or as a company, you build up this foundational group of customers who are not just happy customers, but in essence, what I like to refer to as fanatics of the company, right? Key Mm -hmm. contributors, those that can be impassioned, invigorated, even help to support and to drive the business in a variety of categories is critical. And their ability to resonate with your brand is really dependent on their ability to see your brand in the same light that you see the brand or in essence in the light that is most important to them. So messaging is the process through which, or is the methodology through which you and your impassioned customers can align, can agree and can become one. And when that happens, they become a part of the business and a part of the company. And that's just as critical, of course, as the transactions that come both from them as well as other customers that might be operating on the fringes of your particular market share. So in a sense, then message testing is kind of empowering your love group. Yes, absolutely. It's resonating with them. It's actually creating a conversation, which is something that if you look at the history of marketing on the whole, I feel has been to a large degree, very lost with the evolution of technology and the evolution of Google ads. You had this entire generation of consumers that basically grew up into a world where their idea of marketing was this development of advertising inside of Google paid search. So before long marketing was this premise of let me buy an ad so that I can pitch to a consumer who's Mm -hmm. already looking for my product or service. And then as you get into Facebook, you get this whole realm of businesses that continue to focus on advertising in much of the same light, but now they're focused on imagery and copy that is pitch heavy. In reality, message resonance, which is really a conversation between the brand or the entrepreneur and an impassioned group of customers is lost unless you can commence a form of conversation through imagery and copy, et cetera, that resonates and prompts the consumer to communicate as well. And that back and forth communication is the most special type of brand engagement. And that's when you go from being just a company scooping up transactions off the street in a more aggregated fashion to a company that's actually propagating change 
and a brand that actually becomes a household name and in essence fosters from there. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. I love that broader way of thinking about it because every marketer loves to call themselves, hey, I'm data driven, right? And every marketer likes to say, I A-B test and I follow the data and this, that, and the other. But like you're pointing out, if all that means is that you're putting up ad A versus ad B and seeing which one drives the higher return on ad spend or the the lower cost per acquisition or you know whatever metric it is they're tracking, they're not looking at the bigger picture. Am I understanding that right? Absolutely. In that situation, they're literally just testing what pitch sells better. It might as well be a glorified used car auto dealership. Mm-hmm. All I'm doing is just changing the sales pitch. And I'm hoping that this refined sales pitch happens to close consumers to a higher degree. To get a consumer to a place where they know you, they love you, they enjoy what you offer, they feel empowered by what you offer, there's a degree of like learning and discussion and vulnerability and aspiration and understanding where it's not just a, you fit me in this moment, but you genuinely as a company, if, if I'm the customer, this company changes me, it affects me, it fulfills an inert need that either I recognize or have yet to recognize. But in this moment, in this conversation, I align and there is resonance and I will never forget that company again. And I will do everything I can to stick with that company, to empower that company, to purchase from that company and a whole slew of benefits come with that. So what we're really saying is message testing isn't AB multivariate ad pitch testing. Message testing is the process through which we align our message with the consumer's perception. And when that is done properly, there is a shift in our market position. In essence, by changing the consumer's perception or in essence aligning with the consumer's perception, we shift from a weaker place within the market to a stronger place within the market. And as that fidelity increases, then in essence, we see explosive success in revenues and transactions, not just aggregative sort of success, which comes from scooping up someone who's willing to convert in the moment of the sales pitch. It's like, we're not optimizing for the transaction. We're optimizing for the relationship. Yes, that's exactly right. And a whole slew of benefits come with it. So not only is it more honest in my mind, and not only is it more relatable and fun and engaging, but it performs better and not just a little better, explosively better. So the whole concept, the whole industry, when I say, do you message test people? Oh yeah, I AB tested on Facebook last week. That's (laughs) not message testing. What they're doing is they're doing multivariate pitch testing. The real question is what message are you actually propagating to the industry? Now here's what's crazy, right? This is totally extreme. But when you do it right, you can even change the world's perspective. You can change their interpretation of a word, of a brand, their expectation within the market. I like to refer to it affectionately as like terraforming, right? What I'm doing is I'm changing the world and their perception through an alignment and an understanding and a demonstration to them that I see the world differently. And if I do it right and my alignment is appealing enough, they will follow 
after that particular alignment and they will mentally change their expectation, which is going from being the best option in the moment to being a brand that people are willing to follow and to fight for. And that's when you go into talking about multi-million dollar explosive growth, billions of dollars if done properly. And that's what's so exciting is what you're really saying to yourself is, how can I, how should I change the world? And that is the essence of marketing. Marketing isn't just this like nuanced A-B test and copy. The real question is, how can I drive this message home and let that banner be carried by consumers? So I love this. This is a very passionate subject for me. This is fantastic. And I hope our listeners are sensing the passion that's here. And I hope by now, you know, we've only just introed the subject and I hope the, the listeners are already seeing why this is so much more than just an A-B message test, that, like you're saying. So paint a picture for us, Chris, by sharing an example where you've seen message testing and take us through what did it look like prior and then after going through this message testing process, what were the outcomes coming out the other side? Let's start by painting a picture of what the outcomes look like. Absolutely fantastic. So once upon a time, I should say back in 2015, I started working on a company called Owlet. Amazing product, amazing company. Love the sock, love the monitor that this baby product is. I love that company. And when we got there, such a phenomenal group of founders such a phenomenal group of investors. I cherish so much of that time and experience with them. Yeah, my, my wife and I are longtime Outlook customers. Awesome. And it is, I mean, it is genuinely an amazing product. And I remember when we came in, they had no sales and they had no sales at all. I sat down with the investor, the lead investor there, and he just said some amazing things about the brand and the product and the founders did. And they had a healthy sales goal for the next year. And so we're sitting there and it was interesting because as we're sitting there, everyone's talking about the product as a baby monitor, right? The internal nomenclature of the organization is this is a baby monitor and the value proposition internal to the brand, even though nobody would say this is what the message was, inherently everyone was talking about its ability to potentially save lives. Now, let me be clear. Outlet does not state in any way, shape or form that their products save lives, but you could tell emotionally that the passion coming from this was the ability to potentially alleviate some of the lives lost through SIDS, SUIDS, accidental asphyxiation. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Outlet, it is a sock that the infant can wear that monitors the heart rate and the CO2 levels of an infant. So or O2 levels, right, oxygen. Right. That's right, sorry, O2 levels, that's right. We started doing initially our message testing and we leaned lightly into the value propositions that we felt, right? That would we felt would be obvious to the industry about its power to potentially help to save lives. Again, without stating that, but we're super ecstatic about that potential ability and hoped that vision would catch and then on top of this, we leaned into the naming of baby monitors. And honestly, that was literally some of the worst things we did in the initial stages of testing in terms of worst performing. So let me walk through that. In terms of baby monitors, consumers who were actively looking for baby monitors, they're in Google searching for baby monitors. We're driving that traffic from Google into our website 
And for those of you who don't know, the product normally retailed around 250. I think we did some price testing around 300, et cetera. And the average cost per conversion of someone looking for the baby monitor was between 650 to $1,250. It was horrible. No one saw this product as a quote unquote baby monitor. In the baby monitor market, right? I understand that eventually you guys figured out that you can't message Alla as a baby monitor, but because you were at the time, what was the average cost for a real baby monitor? I say real, but I mean like an, a baby monitor that people know as a baby monitor, right? What was the average cost for one of those compared to the outlet? I think that at the time, and I think even today, you can get quote unquote baby monitors, like the ones that sit in the baby's room, anywhere from like $39 to as much as like $180, something to that effect. So when people are searching for that and then they get served a, an outlet ad and they click on it, what they're expecting and what they're actually seeing are very different things. Exactly. What they're expecting, what they're actually seeing, very different things. Now, what's fascinating is before this particular test, the average conversion rate on the site was around 1.1, 1 1.2%. 1 when we started driving this traffic into the site along with some other traffic, the conversion rate dropped all the way down to 0.1 of 1%. So absolutely horrible performance. And on top of this, as we were leaning into some advertising across like Facebook and social channels, that excitement that had come from all of this organic exposure, like the impassioned consumer that had supported Outlet through its development was definitely struggling to find its feet. What we actually saw was massive amounts of fighting. We're not talking about like a few dozen comments. We're talking about thousands of women and men who are engaging. And you had on one side, people who are like, this is the best product ever. This is amazing. This is going to be so good. And then on the other side, you had things like, you're trying to scare me. This is a scare tactic. These things aren't real. It was like an online brawl. It was so strange to see such an amazing product eliciting such a crazy result. You're like, we should only see this during election season. Exactly, right? And again, this is coming largely from a group of just extremely impassioned parents, right? And grandparents, they're going to be all over it. But recognizing this, it was clear. This is the keynote here, right? It was clear that the message we were conveying was creating a different perception with the consumer than what we actually wanted to convey. So we needed to move our position within the market. Nothing that we would A, B test within those veins, what I just talked about, would end up performing better. Those veins, in essence, were the wrong position within the market. We needed to move that position. So what we ended up doing from that perspective, and I'll go through some of the how-to on that in just a second, but we ended up going through a series and a process of testing and through which we discovered that the strongest message had nothing to do with the technology, which is very new and unique, nothing to do with specifically the value proposition to the baby, had nothing to do with baby monitors or price, et cetera, but had everything to do with mom's lifestyle. And I remember one of the distinct or two of the distinct ads that we ran showed at one point in both the video and in an image showed mom asleep at home in bed. And when we launched those, the explosion was just through the roof. We saw over the next subsequent six months, this is not an exaggeration, 
Over the next subsequent six months, more than 45 million social media reactions to that particular vein of messaging. And when you say vein of messaging, you're talking specifically about peace of mind. So it wasn't specific to sleep. It was peace of mind in general. Yeah, that's right. The picture and image showed mom asleep, calm in her bed, right? But the message was peace of mind. And the reaction, consumers kept saying the same thing. We didn't even use peace of mind as our tagline at the time. There was just this explosion in like people saying, oh, I love that. I need that peace. I need that peace of mind. I want that kind of sleep. And they just kept repeating the same phrase. And we ended up adopting that as, in essence, our slogan, our branded sort of term and trademark, because it were, I don't think it's trademark, but point is that became our mantra, right? That became our mission. And as we continued to build into that vein, yeah, over the next six months, across a variety of different collateral, but within that market position, the performance was explosive, absolutely through the roof. And in less than nine months, we got the average cost per acquisition on the product all the way down into its lowest form at under $50 per unit sold. Amazing. Basically moving from $650 to $1250 all the way down to under that $50 mark. Absolutely fantastic. And that is the strength of market positioning. And we've done this now hundreds of times where a company's position is poorly, is in the wrong place, is showing friction. Just to put a bow on the Outlook conversation, fast forward several years, and I get that this was one of many breakthroughs that happened, but Outlook was a huge, huge success to the tune of Outlet eventually became a unicorn, right? Yeah, they've definitely gone public and they're continuing to develop amazing products. And yeah, in terms of the exact valuation and their other elements, I don't have all the details in there. The point is at that time, it was still in its infancy, but figuring out a message that resonates in the marketplace in such a meaningful way lays the foundation for something way bigger. And I think Outlet's such a great illustration of that because of just how successful it became. Absolutely. And to be clear, such an amazing group of founders and team and et cetera. And as we talk about these things, there's definitely no like claiming of credit for all their greatness, but definitely this act of going through this positioning activity produces results, has produced results. And we learn this amazing lesson. Now, here's one of the key elements, right? Going through that particular position practice isn't easy. When we discovered the right message, we work in our market positioning activities and our message positioning activities. We work in what we call a top-down process. What that means is we're not going to try to fix the site in the beginning. We're going to first resolve the messaging at the top. And when we see this explosion in consumers and as they flow through, We will then go through and resolve other elements within the funnel based upon the new composition of consumers that are coming from that new market position. When you say top down, you're referring to top of the funnel. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. That's right. So we move from the top of the funnel down, and this is a key nuance. Imagine you have a piece on a board, right? And that's your market position. When you change your message, you moved that piece. And where you move that piece changes the number of customers that are within your market. It changes the consumer's habits for purchasing, how much they're willing to spend, their price sensitivity. It changes their ability to take and carry that. It also changes their ability to lead the market on the whole, right? The entire world. 
in adoption of your particular product. So market positioning is genuinely one of the most ignored elements, which at its very nature comes down to message testing, right? In reality, what's happening is you're changing your market position. As you change that market position, your ecosystem changes, your ads start to inherently perform better. This other case study was with a tech company, women from the ages of 25 to 45. And in that particular circumstance, I remember they had this amazing photography and we refer to their photography as aspirational. So if I say aspirational, it means think perfect world, right? World, how you always wish it was. And then of course there's raw, which is a definition of realistic. It's just real. It's exactly dialed into what life is. So when they showed their particular photography, it was extremely aspirational. I remember one picture showed a woman early in the morning sipping tea and the kitchen counters are clean as can be and just a phenomenal portrait. It was Instagram perfect. Instagram perfect. That's right. And as we advertised this, the adoption was just so low and the click through rate on a link click was about 2.5%. I'll say this was back in 2018. So their click through rate on the link click was about 2.5%. And then the click through rate all was about 3.3%. So okay statistics, but the reaction wasn't what we were going for. This was a game changing piece of technology that not only would change the lives of the people using it, but had never been seen before. There was no competition that could really be likened to this. So anyways, we go through this testing process. And as we go through the testing process, we end up using an image taken by a woman using her cell phone. And she snaps a selfie of herself using the product. And she's sitting at a boardroom table and there's a bunch of people behind her. And in essence, she says, I'm using this product and nobody knows it. Okay. It's so amazing because she wasn't a model. I'm not saying she was not pleasing to look at or anything, but she wasn't a model. She was a normal person in a realistic situation, testifying to her use of the product, completely believable. And that ad exploded. It had a six and a half percent click-through rate on the link click, and it had an 18% click-through rate all. And for those of you who aren't familiar with click-through rate all, that's a metric inside of Facebook that basically measures the resonance of the ad. That's how you would measure it based upon engagement, such as likes and shares and comments and click-throughs on the image and other things like that. And so here you are using the exact same audience. And in one situation, you're promoting the product and it's this perfect world scenario. And another situation, you're promoting the product. And if anything, the imagery might've been a titch embarrassing even to use. And it was something that frankly, most creative directors would have wanted to cancel my contract for. And yet the explosion was huge. So this changed their entire ad campaign strategy, garnering and educating the consumer into this raw, realistic sort of lifestyle situation environment where now they're showing these real women on dates and they're showing these real women out on the beach and and riding bikes and in the office using this particular product. And the explosion was absolutely exponential in nature. I think it's important to comment that there's probably a lot of listeners who are hearing this and they're probably thinking to themselves, yeah, duh, you know, authenticity always sells, but that's not actually true. So in cases like this one, yes, moving from imagery that was more aspirational to more real, more authentic, it worked. Same thing with chapbooks. Harmon Brothers helped chapbooks kind of shift their brand a little bit from that curated aspirational 
to more of a real, it's focused on moms, so it's the real hectic life of a mom. But there are other brands that thrive in that very aspirational, very curated, very polished look and feel. And so I think the important thing here is to note that actually going through the process of discovery and testing was really essential as opposed to just writing this off as like, oh yeah, duh, it should always be aspirational because that's not actually the case. Exactly. So I think the key element to note here is that we're not saying this isn't a discussion about creative testing or copy testing in terms of what will work versus what won't work. We're not saying this is the type of message you need to undertake, but rather that the idea of actively changing your brand's market position, which is the perception that the consumer has of your brand through a methodical approach of testing across imagery, video, voice, copy elements in order to convey or to, I should say, increase your resonance with your consumer is an activity that every company should be actively undertaking. And frankly, it's not even something they should be undertaking only once. It is something that you continue to undertake because by its very nature, the markets don't stand still. So what is important today is going to be different than what is important in a year, two years, three years. So the idea of actively adjusting your market position in order to improve resonance is critical. And when that resonance improves, everything improves. Your click-through rates in your top of funnel ads, the engagement, your referral ratios, your brand awareness, even the algorithm that Facebook and Google run in order to open up additional areas of the market within their user base is dependent upon that resonance with the ad. Market positioning is the hack that by its very nature can change the entire landscape of how the world is both able to see your business as well as how they interpret your value proposition. And that's what we're trying to drive home here. Everyone knows that Harmon Brothers has this track record of helping client after client grow by tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. What percentage of our clients do we take through this process of message testing that we're talking about here? We try and take every single one of our clients through this process that is willing to do it and able to do so. Some companies already have pre-existing elements of resonance with their consumer base, in some cases, highly phenomenal degrees of resonance. Mm -hmm. And so in those situations, our only objective is to search out any refinements that can be applied to formalize their understanding of where their position is so that they don't accidentally fall outside of it, which happens quite regularly. And then on top of that, to search out additional areas of the market that can be taken advantage of. Being totally honest, I've yet to come across a company that is sub $500 million in revenue that is actively doing this market positioning, testing, and branding and activity. So in most situations, what we find is the extent of their social media advertising and their Google advertising is very much like a pitch and switch sort of mentality. I'm going to pitch this out. If it doesn't work, I'm going to switch it to another one. Mm -hmm. They fail to really understand the inherent problem with what's actually occurring. They don't change. They don't go through the test. For the listeners who are hearing this and they're saying, oh man, like I want to get started. So obviously 
we can help them as clients. But if you were to just give a piece of advice to a friend and say, you know what, here's the way to get started with message testing, what would you say to that friend? Absolutely. So the very first thing I would say is you need to build what we refer to as a truth document. This is not a marketing copy document. This can sound ugly. It can, in essence, the copy within it can be poorly written. This isn't about a matter of like eloquent speech. You're going to build a truth document. And on that document, it's going to have three to four core tabs. The first tab is going to be an educational one. You're going to write everything about your product. If I'm a total stranger and I read that educational tab, this list of bullet points, I should be able to read it and completely understand your product with almost zero degree of misunderstanding. It'll just be as simple as one, two, three. I can literally read through it and I can understand what your product is, how it works, how much it costs, to some degree, like how it functions. This is very much kind of like reading an overall FAQ, which by the time I get done, I shouldn't have any confusion about it. The next thing is that I should build out is the necessity tab. This is as simple as, okay, now that I understand your product, why in the world do I care? Like, mm-hmm. why do I need it? You know, why would anyone need it? Going through and building that out either across the whole or across different demographics is critical. You need to be able to specifically say, now that you understand this product, this is, of course, why you need it. The third tab is the lifestyle tab. Now, this can be a little confusing, but bear with me. The third tab isn't about the product and it's not about using the product. It's about who the person is or what their life becomes with the product. Mm -hmm. So in the outlet situation, the lifestyle message was mom is at peace, asleep in her bed, right? So what it was is peace of mind. That's nothing to do with the tech, not even anything to do with the baby using the product, right? It was a value proposition. Her life had a greater degree of peace. So you fill in those three tabs with information that should be completely understandable and doesn't have to be eloquent. But if I'm a stranger and I read that, I should walk away completely understanding what your product is, why it's needed, and how that's going to change my life. When that's done, you should create a master list of value propositions from the three tabs. Things that are specifically like, someone might want my product because, let's take like a cycling computer. Someone might want my product because it has the most accurate GPS. Someone might want the product because if I'm pulling on the lifestyle tab, I will be able to ride further and longer with that product. So I'm a better cyclist. Someone might want that product because out of necessity, I won't make as many training errors or I won't have to stop as often. So when you're done, you list out those core value propositions. You remove duplicates. You sort by the items you think have the highest likelihood of success. And then you methodically go through and test. Now, it's important to understand that testing has to be done within what you would call a benchmark channel. A benchmark channel is a channel through which you can actively on a relatively dependent return. So most of the time, benchmark channels today consist of Google AdWords and then separately Facebook. I'd say we use Facebook about 85, I should say Facebook and its properties about 85 to 90% of the time. The premise is we know what to expect and then we run through the testing. The next thing to know is that you're not testing for conversions. That will be the number one failure that you undertake if you try to do this. This isn't an AB multivariate test. 
We're testing for consumer response. What we're trying to say is, I want to run these ads to you. I'm going to design ads. I'm going to run them to you. And I want to see which of these ads has the highest explosive reaction, good, bad, or ugly. It doesn't matter if that reaction is a bunch of frustration. It doesn't matter if that reaction is a bunch of hype. We want to measure that reaction and learn from it. This goes back to the beginning of our conversation where, once again, this process is not to optimize for the transaction. It's to optimize for the relationship. Exactly. In one company's case, the number one complaint we got back from that and another few influencer channels, most of the comments were complaining. It was like 80% of them were complaining. Now, here's what's fascinating. All of their complaints were about battery life. I wish the product had a longer battery life. I wish it had greater than eight hour battery life. This was a common phrase over and over again. But what's so strange is this product wasn't even manufactured and being sold yet. It was a pre-order product. It hadn't even come off the line. And yet everyone was citing the same stat, eight hours, eight hours, eight hours. Why? It was because within that market position, the lead competitor had an average battery life of eight hours. So when we announced that our product had a 10 hour plus battery life and was going to have a 10 hour plus battery life, we changed our position within the marketplace. And despite the fact that the owners thought that every one of their other attributes was far more sexy than battery life, that was the strongest message. They did more than $2 million in sales at an average cost per acquisition of 12 cents on the dollar over three months. And then they had to shut sales down because they were afraid they weren't going to be able to fulfill as they were on a complete pre-order environment. But that is the strength of market positioning. So again, you're testing for consumer response. And as you get that response, you're fielding that response. You're inventorying it. You're analyzing it comment by comment. Even the irrelevant comments, you're measuring those. And then from that, you're drawing conclusions. And you then begin to design campaigns. And these campaigns are movements. In essence, think of them as your troops. And you're moving them to different locations within the market. And you're going to go through and methodically test those until you get to a point where you see an explosive reaction organically within that particular demographic. And you want to be at a point where more than 60% of the engagement, such as likes, comments, shares, are positive or relevant. So they're either asking questions about the product, they're ecstatic about your brand or your product, they're looking for more information, or they're sharing it, they're saving it, they're liking it. When you can get to that point, you're going to find that you're actively positioned within a strong point within the market. And you should see your click-through rates, your click-through rate all is way up in comparison. Now, I will have to say for any of you that run out and test this, when you're testing this messaging, you're not doing it under a purchase optimization. You're doing it under an engagement optimization. And definitely feel free to ask us if you have questions. This is a process, right? There's an advanced nature of this, but nonetheless, the truth of it will show through as you follow through this process properly. For our listeners, by all means, you know, dive in and get going on this. Like Chris said, all companies should be doing this. It's one of the key foundational elements that lays the foundation for future success. And of course, if at any point you want help along the process, several ways that you can get help from us. One is that, you know, our consulting team, which is led by Chris and Darren, they do free marketing audits. If you want to get an extra set of eyes on your marketing efforts and you want to see, hey, what would the Harmon Brothers team recommend that I do next? 
by all means, reach out to us for a free marketing audit. Or if you just have a question for Chris, feel free to ping Chris directly. It's Chris at HarmanBrothers.com, right? That's right. Yeah, we're a real open book, so feel free to email along. Yeah, and by all means, feel free to reach out to me as well, Benton at HarmanBrothers.com. Chris has a much deeper level of expertise in this area than I do, and that's why he is our chief strategy officer over the whole consulting practice. But Chris, this has been so phenomenal to have you share some useful information for our listeners. Why don't we go ahead and summarize the conversation with the what message testing is, the why message testing and the how of message testing. And let's see if we can kind of narrow it down to one quick statement on each. So if you could, let's sum it up like that. Let's start with what is message testing? What is message testing is the repositioning of your brand and or products within the market through adjustments in your creative in terms of video and imagery and your copy in order to create greater alignment with your target demographic. Yep, it's all about alignment and relationship. Why do we message test? Through this message testing process, this repositioning within the market, when done properly, your engagement from a consumer basis, your performance of your creative will increase dramatically. So in essence, you will be far more successful and far more profitable in a variety of ways. The ads will perform better the consumers will convert at a higher ratio. Their satisfaction with the product that you're offering will go up and in essence expand its ability to show you to additional segments within the market. So not only will you grow in volume and revenue, you will become more efficient and effective and profitable because of it. And one thing that you said at the beginning of the conversation that I loved was essentially this unlocks your love group so instead of treating each of those customers as a transaction, you're now bringing them into the family, if you will, and making them part of the brand and empowering them to become brand ambassadors. It's exciting. Exactly. And when you have that love, a customer is often willing to make sacrifices on your behalf. That company I mentioned that did more than like 2 million in pre-orders, they ended up having a manufacturing problem. And instead of fulfilling within four months of the orders, they had to fulfill nine months later. And despite all of that, they only had something like a four, maybe it's like a five to 7% return ratio. Can you even imagine $2 million in pre-orders and instead of a four month delivery, they had a nine month delivery and they only lost like five to 7% of their total order volume. Amazing. That comes with being properly aligned. Consumers were willing to wait for what they were hoping for. A change like that is the difference between ultimate success or failure. Those are big needle movers. And sure enough, that company was acquired like eight months ago, nine months ago by a third party group. So awesome. Final bullet point to put a cap on this. And when we ask, how do you do message testing? Obviously, that is a much, much bigger conversation than what can be narrowed down into one bullet point. So we'll tweak that a little bit and just say, how do I start message testing? And we'll hit that. Yep. And at the end of the day, how do you start message testing? You think methodically through your product from an educational perspective, necessity and lifestyle implications. And then you begin planning those particular testing variants, focusing on engagement. And there's a lot more that goes into it. So please, if you do decide to pursue this, go ahead and email us. We'll even send you one of our documents that outlines some of the information around how to mat test. Just email me at chris at harmanbrothers.com. And we'll go ahead and do that. Now, I said the word mat test. It means market acceptance test. 
little redundant on the test part, but we affectionately call it the MAT test and you can go ahead and reach out. We'll provide that document to you. Awesome. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks guys. If this episode gave you any good ideas, then give us a follow. That way we know you're interested and we'll be able to create more episodes you'll love.